That should uh, assuage you differently. Uh, thank you for, that's one of our grow groups, uh, the All Hands Grow Group, and uh, thank you for setting up our new sermon series that we're entitled Summer Cruising. Um, this series is going to look at stories in the Bible that are on lakes and rivers and oceans. We're going to look at Jonah and the great fish, Paul shipwrecked on the Mediterranean, fishing with Jesus on the Sea of Galilee, walking on water, Noah and the Ark, and in the book of Revelation, the river of life. And to kick off the series, um, these first two weeks, I'm going to explore what I think is one of the greatest stories ever told. That's Moses leading the children of Israel through the Red Sea. Uh, Let's dig in. Now, I want to set the context, and to do that, I want to give you a four-minute history lesson to find out how we get from Abraham to Moses, and with the Israelites' toes touching the Red Sea. So, let's do that little history lesson, and then we'll look at our story for today. So, the story goes back 430 years to Abraham, before he was Abraham. His name was... Abram. And God's promise, uh, Genesis 15, 4-6, God's promise to Abrahamic uh, covenant was that God would make uh, Abraham and Sarah, or Abram and Sarai, he would make them the parents of many, many ancestors. He said, uh, Abram, look at the sky and see all the stars. Look at the shore of the sea and look at all the grains of the sand. And as many stars in the sky and grains of sand on the shore, uh, that's how many ancestors you will have. And, uh, and, and Abram, not only will you have many ancestors, I am calling your people my people. I am saying that you will be the father of a great nation. And that nation will have a very important task. And that nation and all of their ancestors will draw us to a place where I will redeem the world. And where I will deliver the world. And not only that, I will give you a place that is your own. And he outlined a very specific place, which we now know as Israel. And he described it as the land between the Tigris and Euphrates River and gave all the boundaries. And this is uh, your land and you are my people. And I want you to go and I want to deliver the world through you. So that was a wonderful setup for Abram. So Abram begins his journey and as you know, there's a few missteps with Abraham and Sarah trying to do things on their own. But when Abraham found himself to be 99 years of age and Sarah 90 years of age, and they looked at each other and said, we're never going to have any children. I mean, we're old and wrinkly. We're never going to have any children. And God said, don't forget my promise. You already messed up earlier, tried to do things on your own. And so God gave them a son. His name was Isaac. Isaac grew up. Isaac had twin sons, Jacob and Esau. They grew up. One went one way, one went the other way. And uh, their people were established in what was then known as the land of Canaan, later to be part of Israel. And uh, Jacob had 12 sons, and the favored son was Joseph. And uh, Joseph was one of those um, smart-aleck younger brothers that nobody likes. 
Uh, he, he had the favor, uh, he was a favorite of Jacob, and he seemed to do everything right. He had this beautiful coat, and the other brothers decided they were going to get rid of him, so they threw him in a well, and then they kind of repented because they said, man, this guy's going to die. So uh, the, a group of uh, nomadic Midianites were coming by, and he said, okay, let's sell him to the Midianites. Everybody wins. We don't kill him, and we get some money. They sell Joseph to the Midianites. The Midianites take him off to Egypt and sell him to Potiphar, which is one of the king's top guys, one of the t- king's top guards. And, uh, and Joseph was there in Egypt. But because of God's anointing on him, he rose to a very important place in Egypt. He became filled with honor and respect of all the other Egyptians and eventually ruled over all of Egypt's economy. And he was so brilliant that he recognized that someday there was going to be a famine. This is something, by the way, that Americans never realized from uh, 1998 to 2006. You know, we never realized there was going to be a famine. And then when the famine hit, what did we all do? We're hungry. We have no grain. And that's exactly what happened in Egypt. All of the Egyptians saved up all of this grain because of Joseph's leadership. And then when a famine hit all of the Mediterranean area, all of the ancient Near East, all of that area, people were starving to death. And guess where they would go to buy grain? To Egypt, including the Canaanites, including the family, all the 12 brothers, all of the, all of the ancestors, all of the years and years and generations of Israelites living in Canaan. And finally, Joseph's brothers come to Egypt to try and buy some food. Joseph recognizes them after some shenanigans, and eventually they have a reunion. They embrace each other. Joseph forgives them, and all of Jacob and all of the ancestors of the Israelites all move to Egypt. Hundreds of thousands of them, they move to Egypt. Well, they settle in, they have a great life, they begin multiplying like rabbits, and everything's good. And uh, the Israelites are having a great time, and they're honored in the place because of Joseph. And then, about a hundred years passes by, and then hear what happens, Exodus 1, 8-11. Then a new king, who did not know about Joseph, came to power in Egypt. Look, he said to his people, the Israelites have become much too numerous for us. Come, we must deal shrewdly with them or they will become even more numerous. So they put slave masters over them to oppress them with forced labor. Now the Israelites are no longer a free people, but they are under the bondage of Egypt. Now, this takes place over a couple of generations. And now, by this time, there's almost a million Israelites and they find themselves in slavery. And God promises a deliverer. Now, here's the interesting part throughout Scripture. Every time something goes wrong, God always promises a deliverer. And in this case, the deliverer was in the form of a Jewish boy that was born, put in a basket. You know the story. Pharaoh's daughter adopted him and kept it secret who he was. He grew up in the great palace of Pharaoh and had all of the education, all of the opportunities to lead and be great. When he found out that his ancestry was Hebrew, uh, he got in a fight with somebody, killed an Egyptian, and then ran out into the desert. And for 40 years, 40 years, Moses was in the desert preparing to be the deliverer that God wanted him to be. You know, sometimes we think of the Israelites wandering for 40 years in the wilderness. We forget that Moses wandered for 40 years first in the wilderness. And so now he comes back and he's faced with God at uh, the burning bush. You know the story in Exodus. And 
And there God says, I want you to do something. And I want you to lead my people uh, out of bondage of Egypt into uh, a land that I have promised them across the Jordan River. I I want you to do that. And Moses said, I can't do it. I get tongue-tied. I'm not very smart. I'm not a great leader. I mean, I spent 40 years in the wilderness because I was afraid to ask for directions. I said, I, I, I have no idea what I'm doing. I just have no idea what I'm doing. And God said, and this is the great thing. God says, don't you re- remember, Moses, what my name is? He said, my name is I Am. That's my name. I am that I am. Which means, literally, I will be with you. I will be with you. So Moses, now empowered by that, Goes to Pharaoh and he says, let my people go. Pharaoh says, are you nuts? This is all my slave labor. This is how I build the great Egyptian monuments. This is how I build the great Egyptian buildings. Is this million, million person labor force that I have to pay nothing to. I just let them have a few goats and they take care of themselves. Are you kidding? I'm not going to let them go. So God brings down how many plagues? Ten plagues. And those ten plagues uh, just pounds away at Pharaoh and the Egyptians. And after a while, he relents and says, okay, I'll let you go. And then he says, nope, I take it back. And finally, they have the, the, the death angel passes over, and all of the redeemed households, that's an important phrase, the redeemed households where the blood of a lamb was put over the doors of those homes. Later, that's a symbol, that's a type of Jesus Christ's blood shed for you. Well, over all of those redeemed homes, and then all of the Egyptian firstborn children were killed, including Pharaoh's son. Finally, Pharaoh says, okay, I've had enough. I'll let my people go. I'll let them go. I don't know what else to do. I'll let them go. And literally, the phrase in uh, Exodus 12 says, go, get out of here. Take your families and your herds. Finally, Pharaoh's fed up. Go, get out of here, take your families and your herds. So a, thou, a million Israelites strong, plus their goats and their sheep and their cattle and everything else, cross over not too far, they get out of Egypt, and the first great obstacle they face is the Red Sea. Now here's the question of the morning. How can I be delivered? When I'm facing the Red Sea, And behind me, in my rearview mirror, I see the dust of the Egyptians that are chasing me. And they once again relented, repented of what they believed. And Pharaoh said, no, we're going to go after them all after all. How can I be delivered when I'm facing this enormous sea and in my rearview mirror is the enemy that's nipping at my heels? How can I be delivered? Now, Israel was already redeemed. They were already freed. Now, I want you to understand the spiritual story that's going on here. Just as Israel has already been saved, redeemed, freed, they have been let go of Egypt, you and I have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. We're saved. Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. He lives in us. We are new creatures in Christ Jesus. And that's all amazing. But we, like the, like the Israelites, sometimes we're walking through life and we look in our rearview mirror and we see the dust of the enemy chasing us. And the dust of the, and the enemy is saying, come on back. The, you know those addictions that you used to have? Remember those, 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 those pains you used to have? That, remember that brokenness you used to experience? You know, it wasn't so bad after all. Come on back. Come on back. This new life in Christ is not really satisfying. Come on back. Remember those things that used to fill you up, those delicious leeks and onions from Egypt. 
all the wonderful opportunities you had to make bricks with your bare hands and no straw. Oh, that was such a good life. And you look back and say, maybe because this Red Sea that's in front of me is just too enormous to imagine. Let's go back. Let's give up. Let's go back and, and, and be re-enslaved. That's the story that we're looking at today. God wants us to know that we can be delivered. Yes, we're redeemed. Yes, Jesus is in our hearts. Yes, we're walking in truth. But how many of us have experienced, and I would say probably all of us have experienced, we're walking in new life in Christ, and yet we look in our rearview mirror, and there's the dust of the enemy chasing us down. Come on back. Come on back. Those addictions weren't so bad. That old way of doing life wasn't so bad. There was a lot of benefits that... Come on back. Can we be redeemed and delivered from that kind of life? I believe the answer with all my heart is yes. Deliverance can be yours. Exodus 14.30 That day the Lord saved Israel from the hands of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians. Listen... Israel saw the Egyptians, what, say it with me, lying dead on the shore. Powerful picture of going beyond redemption, going beyond being set free to deliverance. That's what God wants us to experience today. Pharaoh wanted to re-enslave the Israelites. The enemy, we talked about this in our angel series, the devil wants to re-enslave you. The devil whispers in your ear saying, you know what? This new life in Christ, this is hard. (laughs) This is hard. But your old life, don't you remember how good it was? Don't you remember how when you would drink too much, you would just kind of feel free? Don't you remember when you'd have those sexual experiences, how you would just kind of be captured away for a moment? Don't you remember when you'd go to the casino and you would gamble, how how just just, everything else just became up? Don't you remember how wonderful that was? As Pharaoh wants to re-enslave the Israelites, the enemy wants to re-enslave you and me. Most of you that have been around our church know my history. After I had uh, quit uh, gambling and confessed my sin, to, I resigned from my church. And um, Sherry was still working as a nanny, and I had to find a job because I was not allowed by the board of ministry. I was not allowed to be in any part of ministry. I couldn't serve in a church. I couldn't work in any kind of ministry. So I had to get a, a regular job, a real job, you know, instead of a job where you just have to work one hour a week. So I'd get a real job, you know. And so um, I went to this employment agency in St. Paul, filled out a bunch of paperwork. This is maybe two weeks after I'd quit gambling and had confessed my sin. And I'd already been started in counseling. I'd been going to Gamblers Anonymous GA. I, I was doing the things I needed to do to get, start getting healed. And uh, I remember after I left the employment agency, I came out to the e- exit of the driveway. I'll never forget this. And, and it dawned on me that if I were to, if I, I needed to turn left out of that driveway to get on the freeway to go back home to Shoreview. But I knew this path very well. If I, if I turned right and got, off on a diff, got on a different freeway, I was just about 10 miles from my favorite casino. I sat there in that parking lot for 15 minutes, just sitting there. People come up behind me, honk their horns. I, I just was totally oblivious. Finally, they get angry and pull around me. I sat there. And these two voices, the voice of the enemy saying, you know what? Nobody understands you. You didn't do such a bad thing. You didn't really hurt anybody. 
come on, if you just go to the casino one more time, you're going to hit a jackpot, your financial worries will be over, and it'll be good. And I heard that voice so clearly, and then the voice of Jesus saying, come on, Dwayne, I've redeemed you. I, I died for your sins. Listen, you, I've given you a new chance here. Just turn left, man. Just turn left. And I sat there and I sweat and I cried. And then finally on the radio, thank God for the radio I had on a Christian station. I heard a song, that the, the title of it was Rivers of Mercy and Oceans of Grace. And I just sang it and I sang it. I'm sure the people behind me thought I was absolutely nuts. I was in my van just praising God and I turned left. I turned left. Sometimes you have to turn left. Sometimes you have to say no. Those enemy, the, the Egyptians are nipping at my heels. They're saying, come on back. Come on back. You have to turn left. You've got to do it. You've got to do it. Can I be delivered? Yes. Two years later, sitting at the board of ministry in February of 2000, the board of ministry laid their hands on me and they prayed for me as I was going to be a pastor again. And I was delivered. I was delivered from that. I've been to casino in 13 years. I was delivered. Yes, I was always redeemed. I never stopped believing in Jesus. I never stopped trusting in Him. But is there, is there a way that you can, you can cross the Red Sea? Is there a way that you can be delivered? Is there a way that you can ignore the, the enemy snapping at your heels and say, come on back, it's not so bad. It's good, come on. Don't you remember those good times we had together? Come on back. Well, that's my introduction. We better get moving on. Lord, help me with the time here today. Number one, what do we do when we're at a crossroads? First of all, we recognize the pursuit of the enemy. Exodus 14, 10. As Pharaoh approached the Israelites, as Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. Can you imagine... These Israelites have been in bondage to the Egyptians for 200 years. None of them remember when they weren't in bondage. And now Moses, their great deliverer, has freed them. And God has opened up a way and they left. And can you imagine the songs they were singing as they left Egypt? And their children and their goats and their sheep. And it was just an amazing time. And then they get to this enormous obstacle, the Red Sea. That was deep and wide and, oh, Lord, what are we going to do here? And then as they're facing the Red Sea and just scratching their heads, what's going to happen to us now? As they're just considering the Red Sea, someone looks over their shoulder and they see the dust of 10,000 chariots. I said, are you kidding me? Are these people coming after us again? Have they relented? Have they repented again of what they promised? And they're coming after us to kill us? And it's exactly what they were doing. See, many times Pharaoh changed his mind. One of the most poignant times after a couple of plagues, Pharaoh was getting the idea that he was no match with God. And he said, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll let you go, but, you've gotta, but, we'll, but we'll keep your sheep and your goats. So, so basically you have no livelihood. And Moses said, nope. Threw another, uh, another uh, uh, you know, flies or something at them, another great thing that would just mess them up big time. And, and then he said, oh, oh, okay, you can go and you can take your sheep and your goats. And this, this is the one that really gets me. It's just a profound thought in chapter 13 of Exodus. He said, you can take, uh, take, take your, 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 you people go, 
Take your goats, your, your method. But, 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 as, but Moses said, but this, um, you've got to leave your children. We want your children. Now, isn't that what the enemy does to us today? You see these children up here singing and so often, you know, we say, okay, you've, you've given your heart to Christ and I, I can't really fix that. And, and so you go on, but, but, but I want your children. I want them. I'll do everything in this world to pull them in. I want your children. And thank God Moses said no. And thank God we say no. And we bring our children to church. We teach them about Jesus. We do everything in our power to help these children become redeemed. Moses said no. Sometimes we think that God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. We know that's true. Jeremiah 29, 11, right? We say it all the time. God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. We forget this. Satan hates you and has a horrible plan for your life. God has promised us that we don't just have to be free. It's great to be free and freed from our sin. We're not going to go to hell. We're going to go to heaven. God has redeemed us. He's forgiven us me of my sin. Thank God for that. I'm free. I'm redeemed. But is there something more? Is there something more to being delivered? So that I always have to, all my life, fight and look over my shoulder at the dust behind me? Is there something more? Look at verse 14.9. The Egyptian, all pharaohs, horses and chariots, horsemen and troops, all it said, pursued the Israelites and overtook them as they camped by the sea near Pinhahiroth, opposite Baal Zephon. They're camping. They see the dust in the distance. Will we ever be free? The enemy has a grip on your financial state in your life. You're in a bad marriage. You have a besetting sin, a, a designer bait sin, pornography, gambling, alcohol, drug, sex, something that, that designer bait, you just simply tend to swallow that. And the enemy mocks you and says, I will never let you go. So there's failure and there's shame. The Israelites, maybe, maybe we should go back. Maybe it wasn't so bad after all. I mean, you're faced with this enormous sea. And it reminds me in the Chronicles of Narnia, um, in the silver chair, where Lucy is up against this cliff and she turns around and looks and on the other side facing her is Aslan, who to her looks absolutely ferocious and looks like death. And she looks over the cliff, that's sure death. And she looks back at Aslan and in her mind, that's sure death. And she begins to cry. And Aslan, in a very tender way, says to her, this is the big lion, says to her, Lucy, crying is okay as long as it lasts. But pretty soon you have to decide what you're going to do. You're going to jump? You're going to face me. You're going to go back to the Egyptians? You're going to go back to re-enslavement? Or are you going to step your foot out into the Red Sea that looks absolutely ominous and like death? Are you going to take a step of faith and... Moses lifted his rod, and, and that's what we see, that the power of God to make a way. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> the power of God to make a way. Yes, the enemy's pursuing us. But listen to this verse and listen carefully to these words, Exodus 14. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm, and you will see the deliverance of the Lord. 
the Lord will bring you today. Listen to this. The Egyptians you see today, say it with me, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. The fear, the unknown, water 30 to 50 feet high, no boats around anywhere. What do I do? What do I choose? God says, I want to deliver you. I want to go beyond redemption and freedom from your sin. I want to deliver you. Uh, Two weeks ago, we had a family visit us. Um, They've recently moved back from California. And uh, Bruce uh, Bruce will remember this well. Uh, Kelly and Karen Summers uh, were two of the earliest conversions in our church when we were back in the strip mall back in 2000. And um, one of the first baptisms we had back in 2000, their family, um, Kelly and Karen and their two children, were baptized together. Uh, Brad Boydson was here, at the, or Brad, uh, Carl, Brad Kindle was here at the time as the associate pastor. It was one of those Brads. And, uh, and we got on either side of this family, and together Brad and I, we baptized this whole family. And I remember after we baptized them, Karen said, I'm never looking back. Now, they moved to California. You kind of lose track of them. Well, they came back to church two weeks ago. And guess what? They've never looked back. That, those Egyptians who were chasing me, those Egyptians that literally followed us into the, the, muddy, the muddy sand of the bottom of the Red Sea, that enemy will never see again. I will fight for you. I will fight for you. But there's a responsibility that we have as God's people, right? We have a responsibility to go forward. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Exodus 14, 15. To take a step of faith. Yes, Moses took that first step, but you know what? Those people that are right up, snuggled up against Moses... Don't you kind of wish you were like uh, 500,000 people back? See how this thing's going to work, you know, before you actually get into this. But it was simpler. It was so obvious what God was doing. I mean, God did this so often, right, for the Israelites. When they were thirsty, he said, you need to do something. I want you to strike a rock and sweet water will come out of it. When you're hungry, I'm going to put manna on the ground, but you've got to go and you've got to pick it up. You want to cross the Red Sea? Okay, but you've got to step out on faith. Now, there's one translation when it says to the children of Israel that you're supposed to step out and go. One, uh, one translation is this. Stop praying and go. Now, I love praying, and praying is important. But there's a time, just like Lucy, faced with Aslan in the cliff, there's a time you stop crying, you stop praying, and you do something. You turn left. You do something. Say, okay, I'm going to trust God. I'm going to take this step. I'm going to do it. This is the truth of God's word. If you've come to the end of yourself, if you have stopped surrendering your life to the the dust that is behind you, if you want to go from redemption to deliverance, you've got to go beyond getting out of Egypt to getting Egypt out of you. And only God can do that. And only it happens when you surrender every part of your life 
to Him. Your past sins, your abuses, your destructive behavior, your failed relationships, God wants to redeem and deliver you. He wants you to live an abundant life. That's what God wants for you. You know, sometimes we have to say, never again. As Christians, so often we say, yeah, I'm saved, I'm redeemed, thank God, I'm going to go to heaven, I've got my ticket punched, when I die, I'm going to wake up in the arms of Jesus. Praise God, but that's wonderful. But you know, what about right now? What about right now? What about, what about in June of 2011? What am I going to do right now? Well, God says, you surrender your life to God. He says, I will not only redeem you, I will deliver you. That's what God's words word is for us today. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, my spirit tells me that there are many in this room today who are really